Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 380. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and today I am thrilled to have with us Debbie Dashinger. Debbie is a media and visibility expert, and Debbie, I'm just so thrilled to have you here. Ditto, Kim. You know, I think the world of you, I think you're smart and sassy and really funny. So this is going to be an amazing episode to hang out with you. Oh, and the same all right back to you. I can't say it better. So I'm just going to say it all the same right back to you. For listeners who aren't familiar with you, would you mind giving a introduction, a better introduction than I've done? Because mine was a little bit lacking. And just take them along the journey of how you got to where you are today. Sure. Happy. Yeah, I am a media and visibility expert, and I help spiritual entrepreneurs and business people who have talent and desire, but the pieces of the puzzle aren't quite fitting. I help them get the puzzle pieces of visibility together. I coach people how to write a page turner book, how to take that book to a guaranteed international bestseller, and I help them to get booked on radio and podcasts. And the catch is this, I do everything that I teach coach. So I'm on the radio and I'm interviewed, I write books and I'm on camera, etc. So I know everything my clients go through. How I got here is what I like to call the switchbacks of life, sort of like skiing back down the hill once you're on top, because I really thought I was headed in one direction, but things changed. And when they changed, I just at some point had to surrender and go with it. When I started really from a tiny, tiny peanut until I was an adult, I was an actress and singer. I did live theater everywhere. I went to college for it. I did it when I was young. I did it when I was in my 20s. I did it a bit in my 30s. And there was success there. And I loved it more than life. It was really what I was born to do. And then the shift started. And I had to honor that shift because I didn't understand what was going. And that shift allowed me to open up to other careers, such as voiceover artists. And I was doing cartoons, which I loved. And I was a singer. I took my singing and parlayed it into singing in front of big bands and jazz bands. And I started doing speaking all around LA on balance and life goals. And this opportunity opened to be on the radio and have my own show. And this is back when there were no podcasts 11 years ago. And I thought, well, that's great. I can get my voice out there more. It's another venue for me to express myself. And that's what I started to do. A couple of months later, the people who own the station came to me and said, you know, Deb, we like what you're doing and we want to offer you a permanent position to do your own show. Why don't you feel into it and get back to us what you think that show would be? And I feel like when I went home and really let myself be open to like, wow, what would that be? What would I even talk about? 
I felt like it was an amalgam of all the pieces of my life. It was about entertainment. It was about metaphysics. It was about creating really big dreams. It was about getting my voice out there and dream like living out loud as well as my guests. I wanted to find out what did people do to become as successful as they were. And thus Dare to Dream was born. And from there, the books and everything else, all the other pieces came together. So really amazing career, surprising career, but I love where I've landed today. I feel so lucky. How did you learn about balance? Hmm. My darling. (laughs) I didn't know a thing until my mid-30s. I felt like I was constantly out of balance, but I didn't realize there was such thing as balance. Well... I know about balance intimately, obviously, because I taught it. But what I also know, because I like being transparent, is I'm working on it constantly. And we live in crazy times. You know, once upon a time, somebody woke up and they said, I'm going to till the land. Once upon a time, somebody woke up and said, oh, you know, I do shoes. I'm going to work on shoes, make shoes, create shoes, fix shoes. One time, the dressmaker woke up and all she he did was dresses or clothing. It's not so today. Now we're entrepreneurs. We've got a gazillion pieces we're handling. Even when we have a team, it is a handful. And on top of it all, our life, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) We've got kids or animals. We've got people who are saying, come to this concert, come do that. We've got so much hitting us all at once. And it's like a lot of distraction. So I think it's a mindful choice every day to be in balance. And I think mindfully how I get in balance is I choose practices. And I really need to do those practices. And I do very specific things that create balance. And the most important thing besides my practices are that I have to choose to work and play. I have to choose to work and be still. Mm. Without those components my health goes down the drain and my productivity goes down the drain. Debbie, I didn't know a thing about being still until a month ago. Really? And then what happened? I was still for the first time. I'm 39. Okay. For the Mm -hmm. first time in 39 years, I was still, and I I was going through a a week of panic. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I've really discussed it in it in any of the previous episodes, but we were a day away from losing our house. And I was panicking because I didn't know how I was going to find a new home for our family. We've been in a rent to own for four years and the mortgage has just taken longer than it should have. And the owner sees that the market's hot in, in our town. And she just, she said, I'm going to give you one day and you have to give this. And If you don't, then I have to put it on the market cam. I cannot wait any longer. And I I actually had a conversation on the podcast, episode 350, listeners, Christina Miller. She was talking about being still, and I had a quick chat with her afterwards. I'd love to know if this has ever happened with you on your show. But she said, Kim, you just had to be still and listen. And I was in tears. Like, I, it takes a lot for me to get into in tears, but I was still and I listened and the answers came and I was, and immediately it was like a, a kick in the butt. It's like, hello, why haven't you done this more? So I have been still 
constantly since then. I mean, every this is the first month in my life where I have not just jumped out of bed thinking about everything that I need to do, but actually laid there, even if the kids are screaming in the background, just laid there and had my thoughts of gratitude and just allowed myself moments of peace in the morning, even it's just going to sound horrible. Even with the kids saying, I got to go pee, let me out. Just, you know, they can wait 30 seconds. We have to lock them in their room, Debbie, because or else they, they go and they do things because they're three-year-old twins and a four-year-old. They go and do uh, just unimaginable things around the house, like try to make themselves cereal. That's not good. So, yeah. Well, I want to address what you're saying about being still. It's so important to do that. And here's the deal. When we get into situations like what you're talking about, where there's this sudden pressure, this sudden, like, what am I going to do? It happens to all of us. It happens to us multiple times, sometimes in a day or just a year, but certainly in our lifetimes where it's a big decision. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. We may not have the resources and it creates a lot of panic and anxiety. And when we get in that state, here's what I know, because I certainly do. I'll speak about myself. When I get in that state, I'm myopic. It's like a cement wall is all around me. I cannot see a thing or a way out. And then it creates more panic and feeds itself. So what stillness does rather than being in that panicked place with a cement wall is stillness allows me to widen back. And when I widen back, meaning I just breathe into the moment, I don't need all the answers. It's just okay to be and breathe. When I widen back, it's amazing. It's actually hilarious oh, this, right, I could do that, or oh, of course, this is there. I was in that space yesterday, literally. I woke up, I had trouble sleeping, which is not typical, but when that happens, I know, uh uh-oh, okay, (laughs) this is bad, and this is going to be overwhelming, and overwhelm is my deal. That's my jam where I know I'm in trouble and this needs to shift, and I woke up like that, because I've recently started a new program, a new one year program, and I just so many pieces, moving pieces, and I'm on top of things. I'm a doer, right? I'll handle things and I'm disciplined, but it was so much me to handle everything. And I literally had to get out, just walk in nature with the dog and just start to expand, like be still. And of course, the first thing that came up was, I don't have to do everything. And I don't have to do everything now. I don't have to know everything in this moment. Oh, okay, what's the most important thing for today if I just handle that? And as I kept going through those steps, and what was obvious, but was not obvious to me when I was panicked, was just this total decompression, like all is really well in this moment, I can relax now, I got this. And I also have people I can go to and ask questions, should I need that? So it's really about transmitting, transmuting the energy in the moment. And what seems like a reality of panic truly isn't when we just take a breath, be still, widen back, and ah, everything's right there for us. It's really much easier than we know. It is. I love how you just said, we don't need to do everything right now. And we don't need to do everything. I just have to share. I apologize. I normally shut my email off while I'm recording. I just shared what was happening a month ago. I just got a pop up and I 
couldn't have like I can't make <laughs> this up. I just got a pop up notification that our mortgage was approved on our house. Ah, high five virtually. See just how that now. happens. Like I, and I just told you I don't cry very often, but I'm like all choked up right now because this has been such. Oh my gosh. Oh. I'm congratulations, honey. That's amazing. This has been a four year plus. Like oh my gosh. I'm seriously like choked up. I can't even. Ugh. Yeah. Listeners, if you're an entrepreneur and you're struggling, I mean, you can go back and you can listen to previous episodes. We've had utility disconnects. There was a time three years ago that we woke up and my husband's car was gone because it had been repossessed. I mean, we got it back. But, oh, we are buying our house. Holy. Sorry, Debbie. I don't mean to like, (laughs) holy moly. Hallelujah. Okay, so yeah, we do not need to be doing it all ourselves, And that's exactly how we got to this, because we finally gave up the attempt to do it all ourselves, And we called on the people who could help us. And we asked for advice. And we, we chose which advice to take and which to ignore. I mean, sometimes, I'm sure you've gotten plenty of bad advice along with plenty of good advice. Mm-hmm. Yes. What I love is that this just happened for you on the heels of saying how stillness benefited you. I just feel like always that's the universe going, "Uh uh-huh, and keep doing it, please, because look what's possible. (laughs) Mortgage on house approved, check. (laughs) What else is down the pike? It is true. And you know what I said earlier about in the olden days, somebody would wake up and do their farm, handle their farm, work on the shoe, work on the dress. They had one thing to look at. We have so many things going on. It truly is overwhelming. It could produce panic. If you're even sensitive, right, and you sense what's going on in the world right now, that can also create panic. It's just a lot. So it's about how are you going to manage that? What are you going to do? Because if you want to be productive and successful, you've got to have practices in place that create you to be the leader that you really want to be. Absolutely. So what practices do you have in place to keep out all that outside negative distraction? Sure. Well, every day in the morning and at night, I read a list that I have. So it can change, you know, but I have a list right now that I'm going to take through the next year. So every day, 352 days, I'm going to read that list. What do I want to create And I don't want to take the word want in there because want actually means lack in English vernacular. So what I desire to say is that it's like, what do I intend to create? What do I visualize creating? I have something for health, something for relationships, something for finances, and something for freedom because freedom is super important to me. Then I have a statement about how much money is already in my life and in my bank. And then I talk about the kind of clients and work situations I'm bringing into my life. You know, people I love working with who have the funds to afford me and are very happy because they understand how awesome my services are, things like that. I read it in the morning and at night. If I do panic, I use something called emotional freedom technique, which is a tapping on the meridians while we say statements. I find that to be incredibly powerful. And every day I definitely meditate. I have some form and practice of meditation so that I pull away and I'm still. And the last thing is I have a practice of reaching out to my friends and setting up social events with them. Because otherwise life will pass me by and 
I'm a real social creature and I really derive a lot of sustenance from that. Mm -hmm. So I've got my group of people, my tribe, and I reach out to them and we create plans. And I know I have some really fun things on the docket to look forward to. And those are the things I do that really get me through every day. It's a powerful way for me to live. And I got to say, I have seen since I've been committed to that practice for such, I think it's been, mm -hmm, it's been many, many months. I mean, years, but really months and months that I've been like every single day I do this. And I'm seeing enormous shifts in my insides and then reflected really positively on the outside. So I know it's working. What does freedom look like to you? Mm, great question. Well, freedom means I get to choose mm -hmm. and create. And freedom means that I have people I love. However, I get to say no when it's right for me. Yes, when it's right for me. Freedom means the financial ability to have leverage mm -hmm. and to go where I want to go and buy what I want to buy, what's important in my life or give financially where I want to give. Freedom means to love and be intimate with who I choose to. It means to have the health Wow, health is so important to freedom. Yeah. And to have the type of relationships that I want, the type of strong mind and relationships, but it's really about choice and that when something no longer works for me, I get to choose again. I love that. Oh, Debbie, I don't know if you know, but I was married before my husband now and I realized it just wasn't working. But for 12 years of that relationship, I did not realize that I had freedom, that I could make my own choices, that I had the power and the ability to make myself happy. And I was actually introduced to the law of attraction in 2009, and that, that changed my life forever. But when I told him I wasn't happy and that I didn't want to be in the marriage anymore, and it was emotionally abusive. He said, well, you can't. You don't have my permission. <laughs> and I realized, you know, I, I didn't need to argue with him about it, but I realized, like, heck, whatever, right? Like, you can't control that. This is my life as much as it is yours. And I've realized it's been a journey. It's been a huge uphill journey. I loved how you were talking about the ski mountain earlier, Sometimes it feels like the further along the journey I get, and may, is this the same for you, that the steeper it is sometimes? Mm -hmm. It's just a harder climb? Yes. More pieces. Yeah. The first step was actually telling him no, you know, or actually not just telling, but making my move and and getting my sons and I out of there so that we could be safer and healthier and, you know, live a more fulfilling life. He's changed. We only live a block and a half away from him now. Oh, that's good. Yeah. But then came the major next step of actually telling clients, no, no, this is my night. This is my weekend. Mm -hmm. I did not set up this client contractor relationship. I hate the word contractor, by the way. I, I, that was just the first thing that came out of my mouth, out of my head. But this is I'm not an employee with forced overtime. I can say no. So, yeah. That's huge. 
I love that you said that because that's something I employ a lot. And good for you for getting out, by the way, and taking control of your life and your destiny. You know, the word no is so powerful because it opens us up to all the yeses that we really prefer. And why I love no, I have found really it's about boundaries. And here's what's interesting. I know in my life, anytime somebody says, well, I'm available from this to this, I actually love them more because I understand going into something, okay, four to 4.30, they're available. That's all the time they've got. I need to get in what's important during that time. It's very helpful to me Mm -hmm. to have boundaries. I also really respect people who have boundaries way more. I do that all the time because my time is valuable and I'm either gonna create what I need to and want to in that day or it ain't gonna happen. So I'm very clear with people, whether it's a discovery call, a strategy call, a client call, we have this much time. This is what we need to get done. Let's hit it. And I have found the opposite. So if you've ever done contrary, where you've, you know, beginning of my business, I would have, let's say, a discovery call with somebody about my services. And oh, Lord Jesus, you know, an hour and a half later, we were still talking. And often they did not sign up for my services. Yeah. It was way too much giving and definitely not enough receiving. And it really wasted a lot of the time on my calendar. So now I have things really mapped out. It's architecture, how I'm going to design my day. And I'm a hard stop. Just like you have to be on the radio, right? If somebody keeps talking and it's time for an ad, like, (laughs) you got to cut in. Right. So. I have hard stops with people. You know, I I will interrupt them if I need to and let them know literally the time is up. We can continue this next week. Or, you know, you know you get an email this week, so go ahead and send those questions and we'll address them. And, you know, have a great week. But I am on with my day, whether it's friends, family, whatever. I really take care of myself. Because otherwise you're seething with resentment, right? People are just sort of impeding on your time. And that's not a good feeling. It's not a place of power. So I really choose to come from a very powerful place. Have you noticed that the people who tend to haggle about money also are the most demanding? Or is that Mm -hmm. just me? Or maybe I should, actually, what I found was the less confidence I had, the more they haggled about money and the more demanding they were. But as soon as I became more confident in myself and started setting up those boundaries, then it was amazing how I could step into myself and realize just what my time was worth or what my services were worth, the value that I was offering to people. And my time was respected more. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah, I haven't found them necessarily to be more demanding. And I don't have a lot of that. It's been a while. When I did have people who said, oh, could you? Oh, I'll tell you a funny one people haggle for that's crazy. So I do a guaranteed international bestseller. They can either get it through a product and do it on their own, or I have a program that does the entire thing for them, 100% success, right? And I mean, it's a big deal when I offer them with the amazing bonuses. I have had authors who have said to me, oh, would you mind taking a percentage of the royalties that I make 
instead of payment. <laughs> it's like, honey, you know, really, you don't make a lot of money from Amazon, let's say, on royalties. Like you're basically saying you're not going to pay me, but I'm going to create this amazing thing for you. And that's not going to happen. What I find when people try to haggle is they're newbies. They don't know the business. There's a lot they don't know. And they're coming in and they're trying to do something that actually doesn't honor them. Because of course, occasionally I'll trade. I have some amazing friends who do spectacular work out in the world and they're very popular and sought after. So when we can help each other, that's awesome. But that's a different choice. But when I have a total stranger come to me and say, I want to barter with you or trade with you, it's not gonna happen. And even I hire coaches still, I'm always elevating what I do. I actually like to pay them. It makes me feel good to pay someone and know I have the money to pay them to do a service. That's an important exchange for me. And I stick by it. Nothing else is going to do. Thank you so much for bringing that up. I actually had two coaches that I bartered with. And it's not that they didn't take it seriously. One of them didn't in my opinion, but I didn't take it seriously. And when the money actually had to leave my account and it wasn't just, I don't want to say just a time investment, but when I actually felt the money changing hands, I became a lot more vested and invested. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's weird and it's true. But when you hand over something that is meaningful to you that you've worked for that was sitting in an account and could have bought a bunch of other things and say to someone, I'm entrusting you with this. And in exchange, this is what I expect, right? Here's our deal. There's something also about us showing up and being really accountable. And I believe that is so true, Kim. It's important to pay for the service that we're going to receive. And it's important for us to pay for how we're going to choose to show up. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. This is a, there was no nice segue here. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What are you daring to dream right now? Mm, Wow. Okay. My dare to dream just got, you know, taken care of during our chat here. I was daring to dream that we got this mortgage. So don't flip it around on me. I'm just telling you, I have no (laughs) idea. (laughs) Well, okay. Several things come up for me. My finances I've been operating at a certain level and sustainably and well. I am ready to play a very big explosive in a good way game. And because of that, I have hired a new coach and we're looking to monetize things in a brand new way. And here's what's interesting, Kim, about really daring to go that big. It's the moment I paid him, the moment I chose, and I'm not kidding, I have had people coming out of the woodwork, people I am so excited to work with, people who operate at this huge level, huge mofo level. And I'm like, wow, you want to do what with? You want to have what call? You want to? So I'm just watching this happen. And by the way, that's why I was overwhelmed the other day, because I was like, this is happening so fast. And I don't feel like I have all the pieces in place and I don't know how to catch up. And that's when I realized I can let go. I got this one thing at a time and I got a coach, just chill. 
So that's the most important thing. Honestly, I'm single right now. My 10-year relationship ended a year and a half ago. And I have had people say, are you going to date Deb? Are you going to get back out there? And I 100% have interest in at some point having a wonderful, long-term, reciprocal, romantic, awesome relationship. I'm down for it. But my gut says right now, like today, the right now, it is about my career. I feel on fire. And there is no way I'm going to ignore that fire. So I kind of feel like a guy, you know, like men say, like, I have to have my career and finances in place before I meet and marry a woman. And I kind of feel like that. Like, I really want to be operating at this incredibly free level where my career is creating money passively and otherwise so that I am free to roam about the cabin. I'm free to do whatever is of import to me. That's my dare to dream. Oh, I love that. Can I roam about the cabin with you? Girl, you're in that cabin. You roam wherever you want with me. You bet. Oh, I absolutely love that. I am so sorry, but at the same time, I am not sorry that I had my email open because like dare to dream, you've got me totally inspired now because now I'm like, okay, what's next? What's next? What is my gut telling me? By the way, I have to tell you when I left my ex Mm -hmm. or when I was getting ready to leave him, I was set on being single for the rest of my life because Mm -hmm. I was set on being single just because I decided that I would rather be single and happy than to ever have to put up with that type of BS again. Uh And I had a failing business. I was down in my office trying to make something more than a quarter a day. And and that's no joke. It was an e-commerce shop. And I was watching the bucket list and I decided to write a soulmate spec sheet. (laughs) And within three weeks, no joke, my husband presented himself to me. I had found my apartment. I was on Craigslist looking for furniture and decided to click on the little button that said men looking for a woman. And there he was. Wow. Yeah. You know, thank you for sharing that. That is such an important piece. And I hope people hear that when we put a stake in the ground, doesn't matter what happened before. We all know there's no such thing as failure. There's only such thing as experience. Mm -hmm. And if we will learn from that experience, it's expensive sometimes and it's painful sometimes. It's the greatest teacher, right? Because you go out and you can choose to never do that again and have way better have a badass experience. So when you do what you did with relationships or with career, whatever it is, but you put a stake in the ground and say, never again, I'd rather be alone. I'd rather check out of this planet, whatever, than have that happen. I have heard this so many times from people who have said everything changed. The universe went, oh, they mean business. And the right stuff starts flowing in. So I really appreciate that. And I guess when I get to my point as well, when I'm open, I'll need to do that. I have had some certainly handsome men reach out to me. And I love, I love men. I love flirting. I love all of that. But to see myself right now being like, "Mm," it's just, I don't feel it right now. That's huge for me to say, yeah, you're beautiful, but not for today, baby. I am on fire and this career is everything. Oh, I love that. (laughs) You're on empire building mode. 
Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have to honor that stuff. And, you know, with that comes so many fun things like where, you know, universe, where do I find amazing clients who are going to pay exactly what I do? How do we let people know I'm the best at what I do? I'm the greatest and I make money wherever I go and people love to give me money and tons of money comes rushing to me from expected and unexpected places and like from that place so much is possible. And I feel the more that I even think those things and wonder those things, that's how I feel it like it's magnetized that people step forward and say, I'd really like to have a call with you and do some business with you. It's like, yeah, that sounds about right right now. Yeah. Have you noticed in your past that when I'm just going to use an example of you oversleep. Okay. If you oversleep and you look at it of, oh, you know, my day is starting out like shit, that the day just gets worse. But if you look at it in a different light, that it gets better. Mm, yes. Hundred percent. I don't oversleep. I, there's no such thing as that in my world. There's never enough sleep. I love sleeping. However, I have woken up with not the best thoughts. Mm -hmm. Not often, but when that happens, or I feel that overwhelm, and that's the first thing, and it's sort of a dark cloud, then it really is up to me because we choose what we think about. Yeah, we do. And it does change everything. And that's why I said I, I spend the first, besides reading my list and getting on track, I have an exercise class. It's a good 15-minute walk there and back. And I plug in my little iPhone and my earbuds, and I listen to that emotional freedom technique tapping. And it's around all these amazing subjects. And I just, as I walk, I tap on my, my meridian points, and I say things, and it changes wherever I'm at. Other ways to do it. I mean, people can just talk out loud and say, this is what's going on and acknowledge the truth or the gravity of what they're experiencing and feeling. I mean, feelings are real. You want them to go through you, not hold them down. And then I think once you do that, you have that widened back feeling. You've expressed it all. It's out there. So what else is possible? What else is there? What else am I not seeing? And when we start just exploring, I think it's really easy to shift and say, ah, I put myself into these states, but it, it isn't. It's like Byron Katie always says, is that true? Is that really the truth? And we look inside, oh, no, it isn't right now. And we have a good laugh at ourselves. We make things so damn serious. But actually, it's not that hard often. Oh, no, you're so absolutely right. I woke up early in my terms this morning. I mean, it's not early. It wouldn't have been early if I were still working in a job. I woke up at 6.35. I enjoy my sleep too. I'll usually wake up lately to the littles waking up. But I woke up at 6.35 and I realized that my 15-year-old's backpack was still at his desk and he was not up. Now I have to I have to share with you and listeners that my 12 and 15 year old are incredible at getting themselves up and out the door by 630 every morning to get their bus. In the last three years, I've had to drive them to school maybe three times, which compared to when I was their age, I was getting a ride like every other day for missing the bus. <laughs> so I went and woke him up and took him to school. And my other one is on his class trip to Washington, D.C. right now, so I didn't have to worry about him. But on the way home, I have the Greatest Showman soundtrack on my phone. Have you seen that? No, I haven't yet, and I really want to. 
Oh my gosh, it's incredible. Well, there's this one song. I'll have to put it in the show notes. It's called Come Alive. Oh, cool. I had a blasting out of my phone. And I'm looking around my small town in Ohio, and there's like all these sleepy people, just like. <laughs> and here I am blasting it out of my phone. My windows were up, and I'm like singing along, big smile on my face. I'm like, oh, I guess that was just the most awesome way to start the day because look at just how the day has gone on. Oh, what type of support group do you have, or support system do you have in place for your business? Are you part of a mastermind? I know you have your coaching. Do you have team members? How do you keep it all going and have the maximum level of support? Several things I have. I've been in a mastermind for eight years and it's a worldwide organization. So I can connect as much as I want. I can connect almost every day of the week if I want on group calls. I also, I've been around so long, I'm a founding member. So I also lead calls. What it does, it allows me to connect with other influential people and to hear what people are doing. It's a game changer. This mastermind, no kidding. When I first came in compared to where I am now, I learned so many important business techniques. They also have retreats a couple of times a year that I always attend because I say when you break bread with somebody, changes the relationship. You can do everything online and on the phone. That's awesome. And exchange some information. But the moment you're physically in the presence of someone else influential, your relationship with that person has now been changed forevermore. Amen. And what you can ask from them or they from you will have gone to a very deep, intimate level. So I always go to the retreats in person. And of course, they have, we get up and we present. Not all of us, of course, because there's hundreds of members. But People present different pieces, and I always learn a lot from that. And as I said, I always am coached, too. So a coach, I think, needs to keep growing. And I have recently joined a new program. And the friends that I have, I'm trying to think if there's anybody who is, I'm sure there might be, but honestly, I have phenomenal people, like dream girlfriends and guy friends. And they do things like their relationship coaches, married relationship coaches, or I'm trying to think what all my people do. They do systems. They do branding and marketing. They do um, somebody who does human design in the science of hands and palms. I could say that and probably a lot of people know who she is. But I have people out there who have like gazillion followers, very well known for what they do. And those are just some, you know, People, also fitness. So, you know, in any pocket of what's going on for me, I could pick up the phone and ask, hey, you know, what do you think about this? I recently started doing that with some friends and saying, you know, there are some men who are reaching out to me on Facebook. And to me, Facebook is social, but I mean, just social friends. But this is like they're using it like a dating app. You're a love expert. What do you think of that? So I think it's fascinating. So that's my bottom line. I've got a mastermind. I use it and I also participate and I listen and learn. I've got a coach. So I'm exponentializing what I do to a greater level. And I've got phenomenal people in my life who know me, love me and vice versa. And we are at liberty anytime to pick up the phone and go, hey, man, you got a minute. What do you think about this? Or, you know, can we hang out and then we'll also have fun. So I feel very well held in that regard. Oh, I love that. I love it all. How about you? 
can I ask, are you in a mastermind and all that? I am. I'm in a mastermind on Tuesday nights called The Unretireables. And <laughs> what does that mean? We all love what we do. And we don't see ourselves ever being able to retire. You know, even if we're making eight, nine figures a year, 10 figures, you know, dream big. And we just don't see ourselves being able to take ourselves out of our work because we're so in love with what we do. Do you think you could ever take yourself out of your work? I used to think when I was young, I used to, you know, the whole thing about retirement, which of course has changed now that corporate has changed. I used to think when I was young, oh, so good to retire, travel the world. And now that I'm an adult and living and doing what I love, I have thought lately, I can see continuing to do this. Maybe as I get older, more passively, mm-hmm. that it would be run. And then I really get to pick and choose the live things I want to do. However, why would I stop? It's so much fun and it's great meeting the people I do and working with the people I do. And I don't know about you, Kim, but have you ever been to a live workshop and you see people who are 60s, 70s, 80s, and they're there and I look at them and I think the world of them for being so viable and continuing to grow. I just think that's so awesome and healthy. So yeah, I would like to be one of those. Someday. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Actually, one of my kids was, I think it was actually the 15 year old who was talking to me yesterday about how old I am. Mm-hmm. And I was actually pleasantly surprised that he thought I was 10 years younger than I am. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. But you know, we were just at New Media Summit together, and there was one gentleman, I believe he'll be on a future episode of Positive Productivity, but he was 75, mm. and he, he's out there ripping it up. I was like... And he looked good, too, didn't yeah. he? <laughs> and my mom was watching the live stream, and I was just waiting for her to ask for his number. Because <laughs> she's 75, I think. And? I'm just doing the math. She's up there. Sorry, Mom. I don't know if you listen to the podcast at all, but... Well, Mom, I want to know. You didn't have to do it on live stream. You know, they're still now. Kim's still in touch. Yeah. Well, I already told him, or I already asked him. I was like, my mom's going to be asking for your info. I know she will. (laughs) Was he open? Um, I can't remember, honestly. That was such a whirlwind. I mean, I just have to say, I mean, had I not been out there, I mean... In last September when we met, that was the first live event that I've been out to since my twins were born. And that alone was such an amazing experience. Talk about getting support and building your network of just such awesome people. I also like underestimating something and that it proves to be so much greater. I felt that way when I've been underestimated in my life and it's like, Uh watch me. And I feel like that's what Steve Ulster created in that new media summit is that we all kind of went in and it sounds like to a man and a woman, most of us said, yeah, I thought it might be this, or I really wasn't sure. You know, I just went because it was curious and everybody walked out going, whoa, that was so amazing. It filled my heart. It created community. I have, you know, all these, uh, definitely, I have all new people in my life, including you, Kim. And that's for me, everything like that hit checked a lot of the boxes and I walked out feeling really full and very excited like okay when's the next one (laughs) where else are we going I know I'm just like okay 
when are they going to send out the email to find out, you know, <laughs> to decide who the icons are for the next one? And I, I have to say, I'm sort of reserved on whether or not, um, not because I don't want to be an icon. Please don't. Listeners, if you were there, and Steve, should by chance you be listening, it's not that I want to be an icon, but I almost like to experience it from the other side. Because it is just such an amazing event with just amazing people. That's all I can say. Why wouldn't you ask him if you can have a dual passport? If next time you do serve there, if you could also be in the audience and do your pitch so you can experience both. I think that would be phenomenal. You know what? I didn't even, that didn't even occur to me, but I think he's going to have the icons pitch at the next one. Okay. Well, you know what I went through. I know. I saw (laughs) it. And I was like, thank goodness it was her and not me. (laughs) (laughs) I was so mad at him. You know, so for listeners, he has all the attendees do a two minute pitch. It's timed. You have to say who you are, what you do, and why it's compelling that anyone who has a podcast would even want to get you on the show, and it's done a la The Voice. So our backs are turned toward them, and we only turn around our chairs if we're going to book them or interested, and then they get feedback. So it's a lot of pressure because not only are they pitching us and they really want to get on, they're also looking out in a spotlight at a 200 attendees that they're pitching. So at the end, one of our icons of influence, Tom Singer, not that I'm calling him out or anything, (laughs) (laughs) Tom said, Steve, yuck, 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 wouldn't it be funny to turn the tables and make the icons do the pitch instead and the attendees get to be in the chairs and decide who gets on or not? Well, at that very moment, the mic was being passed to the icons to do a summary and conclude and the... Mike was being passed to me and I went into one of these states that you're feeling right now like I couldn't think of what to say because I was freaked out and I said out loud, oh my God, I'm so nervous if we should ever have to do this. And then I got my stuff together and said my conclusion, passed the mic, we were done, exiting the stage and very mean, mean, mean Steve Olsher said, Dennis Langley, get up to the mic. Debbie Dashinger, you're next. And after that, Tom, because you suggested it, you're final. You guys are going to pitch two minutes start. And there's Dennis Langley, who's a celebrity. (laughs) He's a BMX celeb. He's been on, interviewed on television, magazines, I mean, all around the world. He knows what that's like. He's got it in his wheelhouse. Boom, knocks it out of the ballpark. Me, I was so mad at Steve. I was so mad at him because I knew he picked me because I was scared. And I got up there, and it's what always happens to me when I'm afraid. The spotlight starts, the time starts, and, man, I was in it to win it. I just felt this calm and this potency and this vulnerability and incredible. I finished in one minute, 15. I know I had 43 seconds to spare, which was incredible. And everybody turned around for me. And I was so then grateful to Steve, so madly in love with him for having me do it Mm -hmm. because I got to see once again, all those limitations didn't even exist. It actually was a phenomenal experience. I'm so glad I faced my fear and pitched. So I think for everybody, they should have a visceral experience of what all the attendees go through. And if it starts with you, by golly, I say more power to you, Kim. 
Yeah, I'm just feeling my stomach like rolling right now thinking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to get behind the mic here. And it's another thing, like a second thing to get on the mic and introduce myself there. But to have a pitch. Oh, okay. That's not something I need to tackle today. <laughs> I just want to say, because every time you speak at New Media Summit, well, not every time, but a lot, you're wicked funny. And I know, I don't know, I don't think you manifest it. I don't think you, you machinate your mind about what am I going to say? How can I be funny? I think you just being you, Kim, sometimes is hilarious. It's so to the point and you really express what's going on with you and your world, but there's something that's really funny. You know, you always hear everybody laugh. And yeah. It's not like laughing at, we think you're hilarious. If you just came from being Kim, uh-huh. there is no way you would not be phenomenal. So I think you just got to trust who you are and be authentic up there. And it'll be so good. You'll see. You'll see. You'll do so much better than you know. So I just had to share with listeners who may not have been there because there's a lot who weren't there. You know, when you listen to the podcast, just about every single episode, you hear me say positive productivity is not about perfection. So that was part of how I introduced myself at this past New Media Summit. Well, later that same day, I was in the ladies' room, and my stall, of all stalls, was out of toilet paper. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, like, what do I do? What do I do? And I heard other people out there. So I was like, I know. So I yell, positive productivity is not about perfection, and there's no toilet paper in this stall. <laughs> so I heard laughs right away, and they're like, Kim, where are you? We'll get you some toilet paper. And then here it comes. So... I wasn't meaning to rip on the resort when I shared it, but I was like, I just had to share. And it, yeah, that was where one of the laughs. And then obviously my mom listening. I mean, my mom's oh, the yeah. one who told me to get on stage for the icon photo because she's like, Kim, where are you? And she's texting me. She's like, you're supposed to be on stage right now. <laughs> and Kim is reporting to us as her mom is texting her. So it becomes an ongoing thing, knowing that her mom is out in live stream land watching and having something, an opinion about everything, about everything. also was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just share that when I was growing up, mom would turn off the TV if anybody started kissing or hugging or doing anything that was PG, okay? We were limited to G. And so some of these pitches were a little bit risky, right? I mean, one lady was talking about her blog Let's just say it was risky to like, there was a P word talking about woman's anatomy. I don't know if my nieces are listening, so I'm not going to say the word because I don't want them asking my sister what it is. And I was expecting my mom to text me just shock, like, oh my gosh, that's so bad. And she sends me like emojis of crying laughter. <laughs> but Steve says something about how, oh, we just lost Kim's mom. <laughs> <laughs> no, she just kept on watching. She's like, Kim, I spent the whole weekend watching that whole event. It was hilarious. And so I was taking notes. Yeah. Wow. But this wasn't supposed to be a pitch for New Media Summit. I just had to share how awesome it was to meet you and just so many other people there. And for listeners, even if it's not New Media Summit, just get out there and start building your support tribe at local events because they're out there waiting for you just as much as you are waiting for them. Yeah, it's true. And they were able to go down the rabbit hole with us a bit, just listening to all the fun things that go on there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Debbie, what are you working on right now and where can listeners learn more? Thank you so much. Yeah, one of the things I've rolled out and I'm super uber excited about is an anthology book. So, you know, I work in books. I help people write their whole book. And I created this anthology called I Am Still Here because I want people who are first time writers to have an amazing experience writing something so they can either become a best-selling published author this year or they can get their feet wet should they want to do a whole book. Also, of course, seasoned writers are invited to apply to write a chapter because many of us seasoned writers, and I've got three international bestsellers under my belt, many of us like to contribute and grow our platform. I've contributed to 12 anthologies. So I am getting applications right now. In fact, some from New Media Summit have even submitted, and of course they're in because I know them. And anyone who would like to see, this is an incredible package. You'll see there's so many bonuses added. You can only go right and be successful with this. It's at debbyd.net slash anthology, and I'll spell that, D-E-B-B-I-D dot net slash anthology. You can apply there to be a writer and become a bestseller. I say bestseller because I'm running the launch for the book, so that's going to happen. And... Yeah, the rest of it is all the amazing things I provide for the books and the bestsellers and getting booked on radio and podcasts. So if you're one of those people, you can feel free to write to me. There's several places. The easiest is probably dare to dream radio at gmail.com, dare to dream radio at gmail.com. And besides tuning into Kim's phenomenal show, I'd love you to listen to mine, and you can check it out on my website, debbie-shinger.com. It's the easiest place, but I'm on Spreaker, I'm on iTunes, and like him, we love reviews and subscriptions, so love to see you there, too. Definitely. Now, listeners, if you type typos like I speak them, and you're unsure about the spelling of anthology or dashinger, then go <laughs> head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash pp380, where you will find links to everything that we just talked about, including Dare to Dream podcast. And I'm going to ask you right now to please head on over to iTunes or Stitcher, your preferred listening platform, and subscribe, rate, and review both of our podcasts. That would be so appreciated. Debbie, do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners? Hmm. Golden nugget. Instead of thinking about what you're missing, try thinking about what you have that everyone else is missing. And 10 years from now, make sure you can say that you chose your life. You didn't settle for it. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.